BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. How do we prevent Trump-loving Republicans from reinventing themselves as Trump continues to go down in flames? How do we stop the fire that is burning across America in the form of COVID-19? This crisis has the capacity to be apocalyptic. Republicans seeming to uh, start to wake up. And what they're waking up to is the fact that Donald Trump is an incompetent, malicious, lying, delusional, white supremacist, dictator-loving racist whose stupidity and spite have led to the death of over 130,000 Americans and will no doubt be a quarter million by the time of the election. And the Republicans have known this all along. It's like all of a sudden they're starting to say, oh, gee, look at this. He's, he's tweeting white power. How did that happen? Well, the Republicans knew this all along. Back during the 2016 primary, Republican candidate after Republican candidate after Republican candidate, Lindsey Graham, Marco Rubio, Jeb Bush, I mean, take your pick. They were all saying, oh, he's a con man, he's a grifter, he's a, he's a racist, he's a psychopath. Just go back and look at the comments that they were making about Donald Trump. But these guys are cowards, and they are panderers, and they made the very clear decision when they entered politics as Republicans to put politics ahead of the public interest. That's what is required of you post Reagan revolution, if you are a Republican. You must be willing to subordinate the public interest, public health be damned, the will of the voters be damned. It's the billionaires who count. Period. Full stop. And the billionaires want the economy opened again. They want their people going back to work and, oh, yeah, a few of them will die and a few of them will get sick and a few of them will suffer permanent brain damage and permanent kidney damage and permanent eye damage and blindness and all these other conditions that it turns out 20-year-olds are getting. But, hey, there's a long, long line of people standing behind the ones who are dropping dead in the billionaires' places of business who are more than willing to work for 12 bucks an hour. Or even seven fifty an hour, which is the federal minimum wage, let us remind you. So, you know, 
while Trump was popular with the Republican base, these Republican politicians were like, yeah, we love Trump. Yeah, let's go to a rally. Let's be seen with Trump. Let's fly on Air Force One. Let's not impeach this guy. And now, now that Americans are saying, hey, wait a minute. This is white Republicans, right? We were all in with Trump when he was just a racist, but now that he wants to kill us? No, I don't think so. I mean, that's what's going on. And then, oh, wait a minute. Trump was letting Russia pay bounties to kill our soul? I didn't have any idea. And a few of them are even saying, uh, really, he, 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 it's okay to have police violence against, well, I, not very many Republicans are all that concerned about police violence against black people, but you know, a few. And the rest of America has woken the hell up, or at least is moving in that direction. So where does all this go? Mike Pence wore a mask in public and gave a speech. Now, let's keep in mind, this is the day after he showed up at a religious service with 3,000 people with a choir of 100 people singing their guts out, or their lungs out, we should say, without masks. That's what he did Sunday. Yesterday, he said, oh, you know, you should wear a mask. Right. It seems small, but I actually think this, we're going to look back, I think, you know, uh, six months down the road, we're going to look back at June 29th as the day that Mike Pence began running for president himself. This is a very, very interesting time. The, the, the Republican nominee, obviously, you know, the primaries are over. But the party can pick anybody they want as their nominee. And when they have their convention in Charlotte, the actual getting together meeting convention, not the Jacksonville, let's have a party and all celebrate Donald Trump without masks. By the way, Jacksonville just said you got to have a mask. This is going to get interesting. Well, frankly, I don't think it's going to get interesting because I don't think it's going to happen. I am beginning to seriously think, and I, you know, this is not an absolute prediction, but I, you know, it's just like you watch Republicans and you watch how they're behaving. You know, back in the days when it was, you know, just Jeff Flake in the Senate and what's his name in the House coming out and saying, you know, Donald Trump isn't all that great a guy. And they got blown out of the water, right? Trump went after them and all the Republicans just, you know, pulled their heads back into their shells and, and played McTurtle. But if Pence pushes this, see, Pence has figured out Americans don't want to die. I mean, it's kind of sad that that's what it's taking, right? You know, Donald Trump's selling off public lands to oil and, and gas mining companies and destroying our national parks, so that wasn't enough. Donald Trump gutting the Environmental Protection Agency. His first piece of legislation was to allow the coal companies to dump their slurry, their waste, into public rivers so that it hits downstream water supplies with things like, you know, radioactive uranium and chromium and arsenic and, you know, oh, yeah, let's just poison a few million children. That was the first piece of legislation he signed, right? That wasn't enough. 
his efforts to gut the Affordable Care Act and take away health insurance for millions and millions of people, that wasn't enough. His being charged by 20 different women with rape or assault, that wasn't enough. But finally, he's killing Americans, 125,000 dead Americans, and more to come. And Donald Trump is doing nothing about it. In fact, what he has done is making it worse. That's why there's so many dead people. And finally, Americans saying, oh, wait a minute, he's trying to kill me? I thought he was just trying to kill, you know, black people and, and keep women in, their, in the kitchen. I mean, you know, me? And so now these Republicans are saying, oh, no, I'm not with Trump anymore. Come on. Remember who these guys are. They have no morals. They have no principles. They have no loyalty to our nation. Their only loyalty is to power and wealth. And don't let the media praise these guys. They embraced a criminal. They voted to keep him in office. They voted not to impeach him. And how history must remember their cowardice. This is the Tom Hartman Program. So I guess, as I said, how do we prevent Trump-loving Republicans from reinventing themselves? It's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a real challenge. I love this. This uh, bill over in the Portland, Maine community, the other Portland, uh, Daily Coes, compiled a list of Donald Trump's firsts. He was the first to be elected for his business acumen. Seriously, this is what Republicans say. Oh, you know, he's a brilliant businessman, so he should run the government. I mean, remember this was the sales pitch for, for George W. Bush? Yeah, he's a brilliant businessman. I mean, you know, his oil company went bankrupt. And some billionaire loaned him the money to buy into the Texas Rangers so that he could make a few million bucks, buy his fancy house. But anyhow, he was, Donald Trump was the first guy that Republicans said, oh, hey, you know, put this guy in the White House. He's a businessman. He knows what he's doing. But he lost more money than any business person in American history, according to Forbes magazine. Donald Trump was the first to recommend bleach injections to stop a pandemic. He was the first to do special favors for countries and corporations who spend money at his golf and sex resorts. He was the first to have over 20 credible allegations of sexual assault or outright rape formally lodged against him. Do you think that Mike Pence is running for president now? my analysis seem right to you? Or do you think that this is just going to be Trump all the way to the end? I, we'll see. He was the first to edit an official hurricane prediction map with a Sharpie. He was the first to defend Nazis as very fine people. He was the first to approve Americans shouting white power. He was the first to snort crushed up Adderall to keep from mental falling apart. Well, we don't have the proof on that, but we actually have witnesses to it, or a witness to it. The, you know, the guy who used to work on The Apprentice, he said you know, Trump would snort Adderall bef- to get himself pumped up before he'd go on camera. He was the first to break more commandments than any other president in American history while refusing to ask forgiveness, but being forgiven anyway by his religious base because, you know, he's going to keep their tax exemption intact. And that's what's really important to people like Jerry Falwell and Franklin Graham. 
He was the first, I love this, this, this quote, this is Bill in Portland, Maine. First to base his policies on what three dimwit cable TV morning show hosts say. And I'll tell you, I've been on Fox and Friends. They are dimwits. He was the first president to blow off his daily security briefings. He was the first president to put orange on his face and lips and keep his eye sockets pink. He was the first to claim he hires only the best people while having the highest turnover rate of any president in history. He was the first to walk around in public with toilet paper stuck to his shoe. I think, though, that what that says, really, is that he was the first to have to be surrounded by people who have so little respect or affection for him that they didn't bother to tell him that he had toilet paper stuck to his shoe. That, I think, is the real story. He walked all the way, I mean, you know, he walked 100, 100 yards out to the plane and then climbed the steps and passed dozens and dozens of people, and none of them said, sir, you've got toilet paper on your shoe. None of them. I think they were all secretly, you know, just delighting in the bizarreness of it. You think this is going to last? So in other news, and I'll just, you know, bring you up to date on a number of other things that are going on here, and then I'll pick up your phone calls. The National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien, Donald Trump's National Security Advisor, says the reason that Trump has not been briefed, to this moment, apparently, has not been briefed, about the alleged Russian payments to Taliban fighters to kill American soldiers was because of the media. Right. From the New Civil Rights Movement by David Badash. O'Brien says, well, first of all, John Bolton says that he briefed Trump back in March of last year. That's a year and a half ago, uh, or a year and a quarter ago. The New York Times reports Trump was briefed in April. But O'Brien says, mm, no. He says, quote, because the allegations in recent press articles have not been verified or substantiated by the intelligence community, President Trump has not been briefed on the items. Now, what the hell are the items? He did not expand. But he did say, that anybody who leaks this stuff about Trump could go to jail. He says, to those government officials who betray the trust of the people of the United States by leaking classified information, your actions endanger our national security. Let me be clear, there's nothing more important to President Trump than America's security and the safety of our men and women in uniform. He has demonstrated this commitment time and time again. But did he know? Right. Meanwhile, the European Union, 27 countries, got together and said, who are we going to let in? Well, let's see. People from Algeria, they've got the virus under control. Australia, this is alphabetical. Australia, they've got the virus under control. Canada's got it under control. Georgia, Japan, Montenegro, Morocco, New Zealand, Rwanda, Serbia, South Korea, Thailand, Tunisia, and Uruguay. Those countries all have the virus under control. You guys, you're welcome to come into the European Union. The, the outdoor cafes are open. We would love your tourists. No problem. And they'll add China to that list if China will drop their restrictions on Europeans coming to China. 
But the United States? No, sorry. Americans, <laughs> you guys are crazy. You guys have fire burning through your country that we don't want here in Europe. And to that point, on July 3rd, we're going to celebrate, you know, the 4th of July. Christy Nome, the governor of South Dakota, which is where Donald Trump wants to have a giant fireworks display and a huge crowd adoringly, lovingly shouting Trump, Trump, Trump. 7,000 people. And the governor of South Dakota says, cool. We will have a large event on July 3rd, she said. We told those folks who have concerns that they can stay home. We will not be social distancing. This is what she said last night on Fox News on Laura Ingram's show. Honest to God. Sometimes you think, you know, like, stupid has got to be contagious. I, I just, it's, South Dakota has 6,716 positive cases right now. And then, uh, you know, finally, it turns out that after Trump tweeted the uh, white power rant on Sunday morning, it set off an explosion inside the White House as people were all freaking out. But Trump went golfing with Lindsey Graham and left his phone. They say he, quote, put down his phone, close quote. Now, what does that mean? I Did he leave it in the golf club changing room? Did he leave it on his cart? I don't think he gave it to a Secret Service person because they probably would have answered it. For three hours, the White House was desperately trying to reach Trump to say, hey, they're shouting white power and the thing you just tweeted. And finally, Jared Kushner got a hold of him. And then apparently also Kaylee McEnany got in touch with him. And they said, you know, this is not a good thing. And Trump was like, ah, that's not a big deal. And so then Tim Scott, the only black Republican in the Senate, comes out and says, this is not a good thing. And so Trump goes, well, okay, I'll delete it, but I'm not going to apologize for it. And here we are. Audrey in Chicago. Hey, Audrey, what's up? wanted to respond to your question regarding what we can do about any Republican attempt to distance themselves from Trump. Right. We cannot let them get away with that. Trump is their Promethean monster created mm-hmm. over a period of at least, you know, almost the last at least 80 years or so. You know, if you want to yeah. just count this back to what the 1947 Taft-Hartley Act, when they when they started uh, revealing themselves to be definitely against labor, whereas the party of Abraham Lincoln Republicans were pro-laborers. You know, that was the primary. I, I, to me, it sounds like that, that was, was Teddy Roosevelt. That's why thing. they abolished. Yeah, exactly. That's why they wanted slavery abolished. I mean, you, you have white workers competing against zero dollars per hour. This iteration of the Republican Party is racist, and they've been race-baiting their way into power for all these decades. So now it's time for us as voters to make them own it. Amen. Amen. Audrey, thank you. Thank you. You, you nailed it. Well, we have the receipts now. First, it was, uh, gee, we think that 
And this was like literally a year ago, more than a year ago, John Bolton sat Donald Trump down and said in March of 2019, a year ago, more than a year ago, sat Trump down and said, uh, the Russians are paying bounties to, to Taliban soldiers to kill Americans. And Trump said, uh, is, is that a black person out not in front of the White House? I mean, you know, or something equally Trumpish. We don't know what specifically Trump said. We'll hopefully one of these days we'll find out when we talk to John Bolton. But uh, so a year ago, John Bolton said, hey, you know, we think this is going on. And then in April, again, Trump was told this year, Trump was told that this was going on and it was included in his presidential daily brief. And by the way, the presidential daily brief doesn't just go to the president. Mike Pompeo, the secretary of state, got a copy of it and was informed that the Russians were paying, that, that in U.S. intelligence believed that the Russians were paying the Taliban to assassinate American soldiers. Mike Pompeo got a copy of it. Have you heard anything from Mike Pompeo about this? Bill Barr, the, the, attorney, the attorney general, got a copy of it. I, I'm pretty sure. I know, I know Pompeo. I, I believe Bill Barr did. I haven't heard anything from him. The director of the CIA, of course, got a copy of it, uh, Gina Haspel. There are all these people in the, essentially the chain of command in the cabinet who either got or had access to the presidential daily brief because that's their job. They're part of the government. They may be, you know, and, and, and if the president gets disabled, they may have to step in in some way. They need to know what's going on in the world. Have we heard from any of them? Oh, no, we haven't. Well, now the New York Times is reporting that maybe we've got the receipts. Travis Geddes writing over at rawstory.com, American officials intercepted data that supported their conclusion that Russia had secretly offered bounties to Taliban forces for killing U.S. and coalition forces. By the way, the British say that they confirmed this quite some time ago. The U.S. military says that they confirmed this a while ago and took battlefield precautions. Three officials, back to the article here, uh, three officials familiar with the intelligence told the New York Times that intercepted electronic data showed large financial transfers from a bank account controlled by Russia's military intelligence agency to an account linked to the Taliban. The evidence supported claims about the bounty program described by detainees during interrogations. That's interesting. So we're hearing this from Taliban fighters that we've captured and undercut White House denials that the intelligence was too thinly sourced to present to Donald Trump in his daily briefing. I'm telling you, somebody is lying to us in this administration. The White House and National Security Council declined to comment on the new revelations, as did Director of National Intelligence John Ratcliffe, who got his job because he was the Republican who was constantly screaming at witnesses during the Trump impeachment hearings. Remember that? Remember John Ratcliffe? He was always the one, oh, yeah. and uh, so Trump says, yeah, let's put this guy in charge of national intelligence. He's an idiot. He'll do whatever I want. Mind boggling. Anyhow, Steve in St. Genevieve, Missouri. Hey, Steve, what's on your mind? You know, I'm not a military strategist, but you know, since our president and the American people not me and you and a lot of your listeners. You know, I can see them, our enemies, using a biological weapon now because they now realize that 
at least 40% of our country won't even take it seriously, and that's a quick way to wipe out a huge swath of our people. Yeah, on the one hand, you've got the old H.L. Mencken quote, I believe it was Mencken, where he said, you know, someday, you know, America will get exactly what it wants and we'll wake up with a certifiable idiot as president, or words to that effect. But I'm not so quick to blame the American people for their stupidity. I lay this at the feet of some very specific billionaires. At the top of that list are Rupert and Lachlan Murdoch, guys who own Fox News and, and who have been directing You're right. this coverage. You're right. And the multimillionaire Rush Limbaugh is worth hundreds of millions of dollars. It's the negative messaging that nobody on the other side that I've seen on the progressive side, really take a stance in the media and just say, flat out, you're wrong. This is not right. Yeah. This is wrong. I haven't heard any yeah. of that. Well, I'm saying it. And, um, <laughs> I, actually, I, I hear it from time to time on CNN. Sounds like which people is why are f- getting paid off, maybe. I don't know. Oh, yeah. And in some, in some cases, they're getting paid off directly with money. In some cases, they're getting paid off with great financial opportunities when they leave office, and, you know, and, and they kick themselves up the corporate ladder. And, uh, you know, in, in some cases, oh, God only knows. Steve, thank you for the call. In some cases, they're being paid off with, with power, essentially. Wow, there's some amazing stuff out there. If you're a uh, if you're a right winger and you want to figure out what the what the, what the news is, there's a, a new newsletter that compiles all the right wing news and pushes it out every day to your email box. It's called the Writing R I G H T I N G, and I subscribed, and it's really amazing. These are the top stories from right wing news. I just want to, you know, let you know, let, help you understand the kind of thinking that is shaping that person that you run into in the 7-Eleven who refuses to wear a mask and starts cursing at you if you ask them to put one on. To understand the thinking behind, the indoctrination, the, the worldview, the perception of reality carried by that couple down in uh, wherever it was, was that in St. Louis, where they were protests going by their house, and they came out on the front steps of their mansion with, uh, he had an automatic weapon, a a semi-automatic weapon, and his wife had a pistol. His wife had her finger on the trigger as she was pointing that pistol at the the, uh, peaceful demonstrators, which, by the way, is a felony or at least in some states is. And he, he had his AR-15 pointed at his wife. I mean, oh my God. So how do you, you know, what causes people to think like this? So here, let me just share, these are, these are honest to God, these are the top stories in right-wing media. This is the stuff that is being read online or in print by the people who listen to right-wing hate radio, the people who watch Fox News, and the people who produce and perform right-wing media. Top story for the day. This is just today. States ordered to fraudulently inflate COVID-19 cases 15 times the actual rate. That's the headline. 
Uh, here's the first two sentences of the article. Every time someone has tested positive for COVID-19, officials are claiming that 15 people the individual may have come into contact with are also, quote, confirmed cases, close quote, thus fraudulently inflating the actual number of infections. This is why weak Republicans like Governor Greg Abbott need to wake up and realize that officials are inflating the numbers to help Democrats in the 2020 election. You got that? This new conspiracy theory that when you have a confirmed, you know, when somebody tests positive, that the government has to report that person as being 15, 16 people altogether, 15 plus that person. The next one, the coronavirus lockdowns were a mistake. If school and working age, the first story, by the way, from InfoWars, this is from PJ Media, uh, the coronavirus lockdowns were a mistake. If school and working age Americans understood that the risk of dying from the coronavirus was roughly the same as that of dying from a daily car ride, do you think they'd want to continue the lockdowns? Oh, gee. The Daily Caller, one of the official fact checkers for Facebook, for Mark Zuckerberg. The Daily Caller. The headline, the dumbest generation grows even dumber. The profound, and here's the article, the profound historical and cultural illiteracy of these young mobs repeatedly is confirmed by actions such as their indiscriminate destruction of public statues simply because they are, well, public statues. No, they're, they're attempts to, they're not even really attempts to rewrite history. They're, they're attempts to say, point out to everybody that the South may have lost the Civil War, but they won the peace that racism is alive and well in the United States. Here's the next one. This is from The Federalist, the fourth top story in right-wing news. Rioters will eventually turn their rage on Christianity if not stopped. Oh, my God, those black people are... And, and, well, and their friends. I mean, there's a lot of white people in those demonstrations. Oh, my God, those people are going to turn their rage on me. I'm a... I'm, the outrage over statues, this is from The Federalist, the outrage over statues and the, quote, white, close quote, depictions of Christ is meant to detract us, I think they mean distract, is, is meant to detract us from the real end game, the canceling of Christianity itself. Big Leagues Politics is reporting uh, the headline, Young New York Conservatives Are Not Putting Up With Political Correctness. The New York City decided to remove the monumental statue given to President Theodore Roosevelt at the Museum of Natural History earlier this month. The New York... Young Republicans issued a statement condemning the decision. While the left tries to delete American history, there are at least some organizations willing to stand up to this senseless iconoclasm. No, what the left would like to do is actually acknowledge American history. The Confederacy lost. They were traitors. They committed treason. There's no reason to celebrate them. If you like Southern accents, if you like mint juleps, if you like grits... Louise and I have grits every Saturday morning. Well, we lived in Georgia for 12, 13 years. If you like those things, you know, that's celebrating the South. That's celebrating Southern culture. But Nathan Bedford Forrest or whatever his name, you know, the Confederate generals who, who were traitors to the United States, who led the slaughter of American soldiers, number six right-wing story. I just, you know, we, we need to know these things, right? Those of us who live in the media bubble of fact-based reporting. We need to understand what the other 30% of America is, is reading.
This is from uh, Rush Limbaugh's website, top story. The Russia Taliban story is fake news. Only two Americans have been killed in Afghanistan this entire year. Only two. We don't have a massive swath of murder out there taking place of American troops. This is anonymous source allegations, just like all the other lie stories with Russia meddling in the New York Times for nearly four years. It probably is a fake intelligence report, just like the Golden Shower story. Right. And then the, uh, yeah, it was St. Louis, the couple who went out with the guns on the, in front of their mansion. These two uh, wealthy lawyers in St. Louis. The headline over at Newsbusters, media misleads about peaceful BLM mob harassing armed St. Louis couple. After a Black Lives Matter mob entered a gated community and shouted threats on their way home to the home of St. Louis's Democrat mayor. <laughs> they can't even say the name of the party. It's, they're so dysfunctional. They, honest to God, either they don't know that the Democratic Party is called the Democratic Party, or they believe that their followers, their right-wing followers, are so stupid. Well, in any case, to the home of St. Louis's Democrat mayor Sunday, a couple who brandished firearms while protecting their home has been targeted by the media as the real villains in the story. Just incredible. Trump's goose isn't cooked yet from American greatness. In their preemptive exuberance, the president's enemies have begun what amounts almost to a post-mortem of the Trump era. This prematurely fattened goose is cackling too loudly and too soon for several reasons. And it, it goes on. I mean, there's several more pages of it, but, you know, my brain is starting to explode here. Um, the House of Representatives yesterday, Nancy Pelosi and Democrats, just passed an expansion of the Affordable Care Act. Of course, Mitch McConnell will not allow there even to be a discussion about it in the Senate. But this would expand subsidies. So if you're getting health insurance, the price would go down. It would allow Medicare to negotiate prescription drug prices. So the cost of your drugs will go down. It would end the Trump administration's junk insurance plans that, you know, that don't cover pre-existing conditions and all that sort of thing. But, you know, hey, good stuff for the people. Therefore, the Republicans don't want it. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Not to mention the fact that it might slightly reduce the profits of the banksters that call themselves health insurance companies. Heidi in Bellevue, Washington. Hey, Heidi, what's up? I was at the store, not recreational shopping, you know, just picking up some stuff I needed to pick up. And I was in the aisle, and this lady wasn't wearing a mask. She was from the South. I said, you know, you need to wear a mask. And she said, well, that's a matter of personal choice. And, she, you know, she was quite rude to me. So I went to, to ask to speak to a manager. I spoke to a manager, and she said, well, we can't enforce people wearing a mask. Enforce people wearing shoes and shirts, but the manager, you know, just didn't get it. So I took off my shoes, then I took off my shirt and my bra, and I went shopping. And, Honest to God? Um, yeah. And then, you know, I was at the check, you know, I was at the self checkout counter, you know, and then the employees at the store were just like standing there shocked. And I just said, said well, I'm not killing anybody. And they just didn't get it. Wow. So, what a statement. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's it. <laughs> what a statement. Uh, well, that, maybe that's something for other women to consider, you know, if yeah, you know, people refuse yeah. to wear masks in the shops. That's incredible. Heidi, tip of the hat to you. <laughs> Congratulations on the most amazing story of the day. 
quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Just head over to netsuite.com Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com Hartman. That's netsuite.com Hartman. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. A new year is a new chance to focus on you. You're probably already picturing yourself struggling at the gym, but not all self-help has to mean suffering. Squeeze.com is making it easier than ever to elevate your wellness by delivering a juice cleanse right to your doorstep. It's the easiest juice cleanse you'll ever do that may aid in weight loss, eliminating bloating, clearing your skin, boosting your energy levels, improving sleep, and breaking bad eating habits. Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at Squeezed.com. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Tom Harbin here with you and Greg in Las Vegas. You think that Trump is okay with Pence promoting mask wearing? 
That's my impression, because Pence is a follower, in my opinion, irregardless of your experience with him in a debate uh, that I heard about a while back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pence uh, would not would not go out on a limb without uh, Trump's OK, without his blessing. And or he he would immediately go up and in front of the microphones and retract his statements about wearing masks. So uh, I also heard that Joe Biden uh, said there would be no pardon, a federal pardon for Trump. And also heard a report from supposedly within the administration that or a Trump insider that Trump might resign before the end of his term, which leads me to think that, well, maybe Pence is forging his own path toward running for president and that he would give Trump a pardon, federal pardon, and Trump would then uh, leave the country. Keep in mind, Trump is an egomaniac and he's suffering from Dunning-Kruger syndrome. You know, he believes that he's far more competent than he actually is. Um, but he's but, not so I, I don't I don't see him leaving office before the end of his term just because he would view that as a defeat. And and also he doesn't like not being in control. But I could see Donald Trump announcing at the Republican convention that he has this great business opportunity that he just can't turn down. He's going to build a Trump Tower in Moscow or wherever it may be. You know, he's Florida or something. He's got some incredible business opportunity that he just has to take. And he's done a good job for four years. And he's going to turn things over to Mike Pence. And then Pence runs. And the deal that they have is that if Pence gets elected, then Pence pardons him. And the, and the one piece of that, Greg, that really concerns me, and somebody just pointed this out on Twitter, and I was like, yeah, um, the one piece of that that really concerns me is is that the Lincoln Project and all these anti-Trump Republicans like Joe Scarborough and yes. oh, there's a whole bunch of them all over MSNBC. Yeah. If Pence is the nominee, they're going to suddenly start promoting the Republican nominee and they're going to start campaigning for the Republicans and they're going to start attacking Joe Biden and they're going to try and make Mike Pre- Pence president. And that could be really grody. That could be a really bad outcome. With regard to that last point, I'd say too little, too late. But who knows? Yeah, we've got roughly six or seven weeks until the Republican convention, time span in which this is going to play out. I think the odds that Pence is going to lead a 25th Amendment revolt are actually fairly slim. But I do think that he's trying to establish and trying to become his own man, as they say. Greg, thanks for the call. Fred in Chicago. Hey, Fred, what's up? Besides this Russia thing that came up, I hope nobody forgets about what happened to Khrushchev, the Washington Post reporter. You know, Saudi Arabians chopped him up. In my opinion, Trump didn't do nothing because Jared Kushner owed a lot of money and uh, the Saudis helped him pay off his debt. To me, that was a ridiculous thing. And nobody really made a big deal of it. That was terrible. It's like there's just a, there's another outrage every day. I mean, you know, Otto Warmbier gets killed by Kim Jong-un and Trump goes over and hugs him. Khashoggi gets murdered by Mohammed bin Salman in Saudi Arabia. And that's the first country Trump goes to visit. Now, obviously, the visit happened before the murder. But but you get my point. I mean, he's still loving, loving Saudi Arabia. It's obscene, Fred. It's absolutely obscene. And it shows where Trump's priorities are. And they are not with the people or the soldiers of the United States. Chuck in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Hey, Chuck, what's up? The Soviet issue in Afghanistan. And let me preface it by saying this is 
no way to justify Russian behavior and certainly not the moron incompetent we have in the White House. But my question in this, in 1979, when the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan, the United States supported the Mujahideen effort against the... Yes, uh, we helped create it, actually. We, you know, we funded and supported Osama bin Laden in, in fighting against the Soviets. That exactly. is a completely so different is, situation from today, where you've got the president of the United States working to normalize relations with Russia, something that I think probably, if done right, would be a good thing for both countries. But, you know, I mean, that was, the Soviet Union was like our, our full-out, flat-out enemy. But Trump is being played like a fish on a line right now by Putin. Yeah, but I guess my point is before we become too full of ourselves, we got to realize that we have a lot of ghosts in our past as well. Oh, sure we do. But I don't I don't see this as karma. And if it is, I mean, you know, if the Russian perspective is, okay, you messed with us back when we were the Soviet Union here in Afghanistan, so now we're going to mess with you. Okay, let's just put that on the table. But it hasn't been on the table. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Gloria in Salem, Oregon. Hey, Gloria, thanks for watching Free Speech TV. What's on your mind today? Hi. And how's the capital um, city? Uh, yesterday, uh, BBC, I heard that Iran seeks Trump's arrest over killing the general during the um, mm. drone strike. And in military yeah. times 15 hours ago, they said that they issued an arrest warrant for Trump and asking Interpol, but they rejected it. But anyway, I, it's out there. Oh, that's interesting. The minister of Iran, he's soon to indict Trump and those responsible for the attack of General Soleimani. Yeah. Yeah, Soleimani. I think what you're looking at, Gloria, is the administration in Iran is in trouble. And they've been in trouble for some years, but the COVID crisis is, is in some ways making things better for them because they can play kind of a leadership role and pull people together. But also in some ways it's, it's been worse for them because it's just damaging the economy really, really badly. And so this is their way of saying, look over there, there's that bad guy, Trump. We're gonna do something about him. And uh, it's really for domestic consumption. I, I, you know, I, I mean, I could be wrong. I'm not an Iran expert, but it just seems to me like that's probably what's going on there. It's stand in line. Who wants to get Trump when he's out of office and put him in jail? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Iran, you think you're first? <laughs> no, I think Frank Prahara, you know, or uh, Jeffrey Berman might have something too. to say. Yeah, there you go. And yeah, and to over 20 women who are who have claimed, you know, assault and rape and and, uh, yeah. you know, it just goes on and on and on. Yeah. Well, Gloria, thanks. Thank thanks you. for sharing that story with us. I appreciate uh-huh. the call. Thank you very much. Mike in Lameda, California. Hey, Mike, what's up? Yeah, I just want to talk about a threatening mailing I got from Donald Trump yesterday. It says an official U.S. Internal Revenue Service envelope with a little view window for the address. And, mm-hmm. of course, the minute that turned up in the mail, I got that, oh, we feeling. Oh, my God, I'm going to be audited. <laughs> something uh, at least that bad. But when I opened it up, it's uh, the White House, dated May 22. And that's just what I consider a campaign letter from Donald Trump. 
though postage and fees paid by the IRS. Now, correct my memory, but wasn't this originally conceived to go out with the checks back when? And people yeah. talked uh, him out of it as a Hatch Act violation? No, what, ha- what happened, that, I, that was the actual, uh, first of all, there was, he was going to sign the checks. And that was going to slow things down. But more importantly, that was argued to be a Hatch Act violation. So what they did was um, they put his signature like over on the memo line or something. And then that didn't seem to work out. I don't recall if it did or not because I didn't get a check in the mail. I got direct deposit. Um, and, and, but then the, that morphed into the let's enclose a letter with the checks. And then the word came out that that was going to delay the checks by three weeks, maybe four weeks. So, uh, and that was, you know, another, uh, you know, bad, bad news cycle for Trump. And so then it became, okay, we're going to send the checks out right away, but we'll send out the letter telling you how wonderful Donald Trump is for having sent you the check later. And um, I'm assuming I haven't checked my mail in two days. I've got to walk down the street to get my mail. So uh, but I'm assuming that I must have one of these letters, too, because somebody else called in yesterday and said, oh, my God, I thought I was getting audited. And here uh. I was. Um, so I'm guessing that this is the remnant of that. The, you know, it, it, not having seen the letter, though, Mike, I can't characterize. It. I mean, is he explicitly talking about the twelve hundred dollar check in the letter? And did you get oh, direct yes. deposit or did you get a separate check? No, I got a check by mail. And, of course, that's long gone. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, just sort of boilerplate BS. Uh, One thing caught my attention, though, was that my administration, administration is capitalized, but the American people, that's just lowercase. So his administration apparently outweighs the American people. Yeah. I mean, I think his use of capitalization... Uh, you know, I'd have to go back and see if he was doing this back before he was running for president. I don't know if it's just an affectation, if he's trying to imitate the founding generation. I mean, back then, what you did was you capitalized the words that you thought required particular emphasis in a sentence. And if you look at at the preamble to the Constitution, it's fascinating to see what they chose to capitalize and what they chose not to capitalize. Um, and, and for that matter, in the Declaration as well. Um, you know, whether he's trying to do that or whether it's just his attempts at emphasis, you know, instead of doing all caps or something, I, I you know, I don't know, but, uh, not capitalizing the people, but capitalizing administration. God only knows. Sort of shows where his priorities are, I think. Well, you know, we know his number one priority is enriching himself and the, and the Trump crime family and his cronies and staying out of jail. And his number two priority is, frankly, I'm increasingly thinking, destroying the United States of America. Steve Bannon called it dismantling the administrative state. Yeah. I call it destroying the country. And I think but, he's doing it. I think he, you know, he's killed he, 100,000. He complains, yeah, he complains about how much money the post office is losing. Then he wastes all this government money with his mailing. Right. There you go. Mike, thanks for the call. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, we're putting together a series of American history books 
It started with a hidden history of guns in the Second Amendment. Then we had the hidden history of the Supreme Court, the betrayal of America. Then the hidden history of the Republican war on voting. Coming out soon is the hidden history of monopolies, how big business destroyed the American dream. And then next spring, it's going to be the hidden history of oligarchy and tyranny. Welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. Barbara in Orlando. Hey, Barbara, what's up? If Donald Trump resigns and Pence becomes president, what happens in November? Can another Republican challenge Pence? It wouldn't be in November. It would be in August at the convention, at the Republican convention, since most of the primaries are over now. And Mm -hmm. yeah, the party can pick anybody that they want. And it's ultimately up to the party, although the leader of the party right now is Donald Trump. So probably anything that happens is going to have to pass by him. But even if he uh, resigns? well, actually, no. If he resigns, he'll no longer be the head of the party. Yes, you're right. right. That's that's an that's a that's a great point. Yeah. So if he resigns, then basically Pence becomes the head of the party. Pence. I mean, this is sort of like the Nixon Ford example. You know, Jerry Ford became president. He was the vice president, mm-hmm. and then Jerry Ford picked a vice president. And as I recall, it was Nelson Rockefeller, and uh, you know, and then Ford and Rockefeller ran for for election. I get you couldn't call it re-election. Mm-hmm. And so that's but I was how wondering who on. could challenge, could someone else, you know, run against Pence? At the convention, yes. Right. Yeah, it, it, and, and it would be kind of a repeat of the 1960 convention, uh, the Republican convention, when Barry Goldwater, you know, basically uh, trashed uh, Nelson Rockefeller um, with his famous speech. You know, Rockefeller got up and said, you know, we've got to purge our party of the extremists and we need to take a middle round and we need to return to the moderation of, of Dwight Eisenhower. And then uh, Barry Goldwater got up and said, uh, extremism in the, in the defense of liberty is no vice and moderation uh, in the pursuit of something or other is no virtue. And, uh, you know, that famous moment that happened. And that, you know, it'll be real interesting if that moment reappears. I don't think it'll happen without the approval of the billionaires in the party. I think that the, you know, I think, you know, Charles Koch and Robert Mercer and Shelley Adelson and all these guys are playing a much larger role than anybody acknowledges or realizes. And yeah. for them, it's just going to be, you know, simple math. Uh, you know, where are the votes? You know, where's the money? Uh, what's going on and how do we do this? So but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Barbara, thanks. That was a great question. Marty in uh, Wyndham, Maine. Hey, Marty, what's on your mind today? I was just thinking about how you've been raising the issue of the 12th Amendment and also the question about, well, what's really going on with the coronavirus? And mm-hmm. it occurred to me that Trump has a negotiation stat- strategy and, and a way of taking things in a direction that are very bad, even for the country, and then sort of giving back a little bit, saying what a great job he did. With that in mind, one way Trump might be able to get Republican legislatures in a sufficient number of states to agree not to certify election results, thus throwing the election towards the House of Representatives. And you can explain that process, if you wish, to the listeners again. Um, One way he can do that is by allowing the virus to run wild in even Republican states and then either come out with this amazing solution of a fake vaccine or maybe a real vaccine or something, which I think you've also mentioned there was something out there about timing 
of a release being around the election. Yeah, he's they've, and then, it's the, the funding for the vaccine, the billions of dollars that they've given the vaccine manufacturers has been done under the rubric of uh, something that the Trump administration is calling Operation Warp Speed. And they're very clear. They've said it right out loud. They want a vaccine to be available in October. Yeah. So what he might do then is say the election goes one way or the other, say that the virus is really terrible and even the Republican states and they actually go Democratic. If he can then, you know, get those various state legislatures to say, hey, um, let's not certify the results. Um, and in exchange, Trump will agree to give us all the help in the world in the world to then fix the virus situation in the states. It's almost like auctioning off to the first states that agreed to not certify. He'll give the best deals and give the best help to. So thus he can take the virus and sort of try to button down getting states not to certify. I don't know, just a a nefarious. No, I get get what you're saying, Marty. I I would slightly recalibrate um, your assertion. You said that uh, essentially he might, you know, want the virus to show up in the Republican states. I would say that this is all about having the virus show up in the Republican states. If he can have absolute screaming, flaming, hair on fire chaos going on in Texas and Florida uh, and maintain it right up until November, then the Republicans in those states can say we're not going to certify the election. Or for that matter, any, you know, any senator from one of those states can stand up or a member of the House can stand up and object to the certification of the Electoral College vote. And uh, boom, it gets thrown to the House of Representatives. I mean, you know, there's a little bit of a dance you got to do before the boom, but, you know, we get it. So I, I think that, yeah, I think it's entirely possible that this is actually a plan. Rose in Chicago. Hey, Rose, what's up? Hey, a couple years ago, when the Republicans were talking about repeal and replace for the ACA, there was this massive outcry repeal, against repealing it, I remember. And people were calling their members of Congress. They were packing town hall meetings, which I realize we can't do now. But they were, to voice their opposition, where's that public outcry now regarding the Republicans asking the Supreme Court to overturn it? I mean, right now during the pandemic, record unemployment. Right. And if right. I guess even if the outcry, if there was an outcry, could the Republican governors even withdraw their case? I just I can't believe nobody's concerned about this. Oh, well, I think a lot of people are concerned about it, Rose, but it's not making the news. I mean, this this basically is the GOP dancing to the tune of Charles Koch and the other libertarian billionaires who think that the government has no role in, in health care, period, full stop. And therefore, the Affordable Care Act is an abomination. And, you know, Trump and the Republicans try to sugarcoat it by saying, well, we're going to replace it after we repeal it. We're going to replace it with something better. But they've never proposed anything better you know, other than just going back to the status quo. So, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty outrageous. And they're trying to get the Supreme Court to do what they couldn't do legislatively, which is which is uh, also bizarre, bordering on tragic. Rose, thanks for that. Thanks for bringing that up. Kathy in Lansing, Michigan. Hey, Kathy, my hometown. What's up? Hey, I've got a question. Um, last July, toward the end of July, wasn't the DNI Dan Coates? And he resigned? And then shortly after that, his assistant, Sue Gordon, was in a meeting, and he got her out of the meeting and said, hey, you need to resign right now. And I'm just wondering, that's somebody that should show up at um, a House committee meeting on this so that we can find out 
we can find out from there. Because he got right. the same D, he got the same PDB as Bolton and anybody else got. Yeah, I'm I'm going to uh, let's see when when was this? I think they might have. This was August know, of last of year. Because of the Ukraine thing, but they might have had yeah, this. I just, you know, they might have had some knowledge about this too before they left. Yeah, I just I just looked it up and and uh, it was July 29th that Don, that Trump nominated Ratcliffe and uh, it was early August that he went in and got Sue Gordon out. So that's, I mean, you know, apparently the, the Taliban stuff was uh, March of last year. So this is several months later. I don't, you know, to this day, I don't think, yeah, I don't think we know exactly what provoked all that. It would, that, that's, you know, I had completely forgotten about that. It's, it's like a new outrage every day. It's just amazing. Um, One so, more thing, real quick. Um, yeah. Yes, yesterday. What? He, what is he going to do next? I'm not positive if this is what's going to be next, but we know he wants to burn it all down, and I think that's starting Saturday in South Dakota. Yes. Yeah, I think you're right, and the people of South Dakota have to be freaked out. That particular county, uh, uh, somebody on my Twitter feed, I can't confirm this, but I believe I've read it elsewhere, that particular county, county does not yet have any COVID infections. Uh, hold your breath, it's coming. Uh, Kathy, thank you for the call. Leonard in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. Hey, Leonard, what's up? Okay, I, I had a question. Uh, I'm, I'm not a Trump supporter, and I, and I believe it's possible that what they're saying about the Russia paying the Taliban to kill Americans, mm-hmm. you know, where they smoke this fire. But my question is, why would that even be necessary? I mean, if the Taliban is at war with America, why right. would they have to be paid to kill who they're at war with? I mean, it doesn't seem to make much sense. But right. uh, they're, they're, Apparently, Leonard, what they're trying to do is reward people who go above and beyond, essentially. People who infiltrate the American military, represent themselves as being sympathetic to the, to the, uh, to the Afghan government and the, you know, the American-aligned Afghan government, and they get inside the military and then they do these friendly fire attacks. And, uh, you know, and that sort of thing. But, you know, your question is a reasonable one. Um, thank you very much. Mike in Daytona or Deltona, Deltona, Daytona, which is it, yeah. Mike? Del- Florida. Deltona. Deltona. So what's up, Mike? We got, we got a little less than a minute to the end of the show. Oh, I just want to bring up about the Supreme Court decision with the um, religious schools getting taxpayer money. That yeah. also goes to any religion, like Islamic schools. They will also be able to... Re- Presumably, yeah. Just seems like the the religious right is kind of shooting stuff on the foot with the whole religious freedom because it goes both ways. Sharia law can go either way. It's not just yeah. Yeah, we'll see how it shakes out, Mike. And and I'm guessing that that's going to be the next big battle for the Republicans. But Mike, that's a that's a good one. I hadn't considered that. Thank you very much for the call. Thank you for being with us today. What a fascinating time we live in. You know, it's just, it's like literally, there will be people in the future reading history books about this moment. And we don't know how it's gonna play out. It's fascinating. Anyhow, get out there, get active, tag, you're it. Democracy needs you, our country needs you. Pass along a good word about where you can find progressive media and be good to yourself and others. See you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.